bring you a message from the intergalactic Landed aristocrats, large and small, don't like people who come in a can. We'll gather here today, we'll gather like lambs, oats in a bucket, we've been collected here in this place by a higher hand to praise this creation, this world, this work of our mothers and fathers and their mothers and their fathers and their mothers and their fathers and Jesus the fruit picker, Jesus the foot washer, Jesus the cocksucker, Jesus the windshield wiper, the toilet bowl cleaner, the popo and the burger, king of all kings will not have us set down at this table. He has set so carefully in the meal not be served. And what is being served? From what kitchen comes this divine luxury, this inestimable, passionate love of God's good world? Feeds all our souls, and in what package does this meal get delivered? In a can! We live in our cans. We think we can. We try to work in our cans. We put cans on our heads when the fast bullets fly. Ours is a canned life, a blessed life. forced to insulate themselves from an alien and unpredictable environment. It is a survival strategy. It is beer and tuna and Vienna brand chicken dicks. It's prison and booty in the front lines of natural disaster. Good and bad people and things come in cans. Can life is big in America. Ever since the European invasion, the old home and the homeless has been putting wheels under us and bars around us. Road culture in America is a product of the rootlessness of a settler colonial nation. In other words, American towns are just wide places in the road. Covered wagons poured over this country like locusts, and the trains followed, full of bums and speculators. As soon as Americans got their hands on affordable cars, they started decking them out with expanding tents and fold-down seats on which you can sleep and fuck. Perhaps eat a meal. Once the Dust Bowl became a thing, there were shitloads of people on the move looking for work. The edges of towns all over the USA sprouted communities of wheeled poverty. The trailer followed soon after, probably so you could drive your car into town without having to bring your house. the value of a life spent paying a mortgage in order to maintain the bubbling numbness of the US housing market property must be respected 
By respected, they mean property must be bought, torn down, rebuilt shittier, and flipped for more money than you bought it, as fast as possible, as often as possible, fuck your feelings. Motorhomes mean less people buying cheaply constructed McMansions. They also mean less people paying rent. Motorhomes mean less people flowing to the bouge. Less money flowing to the bouge. And that's why you ain't allowed to sleep at rest stops in most states. some of the booze saw a market and selling shit to the huddled migrants and stopped pretending the migrants didn't exist long enough to take advantage. Instead of facing the wrath of traffic cops and vagrancy laws, the option was presented of clean parking lots providing a central shitter, a clean drinking water, and a relative protection from the raging agents of property. One thing led to another and the Aussie camp was bought. Another $40 a night, you can... You can, you can do what people have been doing for free for centuries, but with the added benefit of paying $40 a night, this is too much money. If I need a place to shit in an electrical hookup, I can go to McDonald's and they don't charge me a dime. You'll have to ask me in person where the outlets always are. You don't let the internet know that we know. ARV Park in Kent, Washington wants around $40 to $60 per evening, spent in their badly named and racist parking lot. Campgrounds of America is some fucking explaining to do about why they don't use the letter C in the name of their fucking campground. People who spell camp with a K should have their balls ripped off and shoved in their mouth. Same goes for people who overcharge the confused retireds and buy up all the empty lots on the edge of town. There is nothing recreational about living in a recreational vehicle. The people who recreate homelessness on the weekends are a bunch of losers. I'm not trying to speak against living in a house on wheels. I myself sleep in a bluebird and I'm not broke. But when you spread it around, then RV life is this super deluxe fuckboy shit like you live here. You're not only lying, you're also in the way. Literally, the weekenders are in the parking spots, taking the resources and increasing the cost of living for homeless people. This is because while the bouge cannot handle the idea of people living in motorhomes, the bouge loves the idea of people wandering the blasted earth in their last senile moments of life, getting norovirus in a Chico Walmart parking lot, wondering what the fuck happened. In other words, they turned your tragedy into their vacation. Thus ends the first part of this transmission of the Intergalactic Railroad. In part two, we delve further into the production of social class as it relates to the can, the car, and the commodity in European-occupied America. In this second half, the speaker has begun to froth at the mouth somewhat, and so we have changed our musical selection into something a little bit more comfortable. The rest of this episode 
will consist of incoherent screaming accompanied by Leonard Cohen's beautiful instrumental piano piece entitled Tacoma Trailer. advent of the recreational vehicle. The infrastructure for mobile homes around this country split into two groups and met two entirely different responses from the bush. One has an image of luxury, of idle time spent enjoying the company of those close to you. Another image is of human garbage, laziness, inbreeding, and waste. Yes, van life enthusiast, you are white trash now. The trailer park came into existence to make sure the ammunition factories were running. During World War II, factories were popping up in indefensible locations in the middle of nowhere, producing material and equipment for the war effort. But since these factories didn't occur where people already lived, the people had moved to factories. And at least one trailer company took advantage of this. They got a government contract to build a shitload of trailers and park them on a lot with electrical and water hookups. It was the same basic arrangement as a FEMA camp's post-Katrina except these trailers provided long-term stable jobs. The people who lived in these camps could afford to own their own house, but not the land under it. Houses which usually increase in value allow the owner to spend years paying back loans because those loans don't explode exponentially with massive interest rates. Auto loans explode. Auto loans have higher interest rates and allow you to buy things that decrease in value. After the original theft of America from Indiana, people who got land cheap retain advantages over those who didn't get a continent handed to them on a silver platter by smallpox. The class divide is neatly summed up by what type of loan you are paying off. Mortgage, auto loans, bail bonds, in other words, owners, customers, products. Which brings us back to cans and the upwing alternative futures market. which is that polite society and its lovely ideals want you to kill yourself slowly in humiliating degradation and poverty while they pretend you don't exist and the reason for this is money. Landed aristocrats, large and small, don't like people who come in a can. They aspire to pretend to need more than TV and ambient. Whereas the can life doesn't have the time or the patience to lie to ourselves after work. The social scene is built to thrive on our failure. The social scene is built to thrive on our failure. The social scene is built to thrive on our failure. But the future lives in a can. But the future lives in a can. But the future lives in a can. Trailers, ships, space stations, and bunkers. The collapsing ecosystem and advancing technology worked together to confine 
confine us, shuffle us around, and keep us alive in the chaos. We can't control the ecosystem, but we can control our immediate habitat. The better you are at understanding your can, the more control you have over it, and thus the more control you have in your life. Why stop at the borders of your own little bubble? There are a lot of people living in vans, buses, RVs, and trailers. There are even a couple people living in a space station we even invented and are prevented from collecting in large groups and organizing ourselves because the cops could come and take our homes as soon as some yuppie complains. What if this was not the case? What if we could not only own our mobile homes, but the ground beneath it as well? You don't have the money for that, and I don't either. But collectively, we could buy Wyoming. Better yet, we could just steal the damn place. But you're not ready for that, are you? Welcome to part three, the final chapter in this episode of the Intergalactic Railroad. Here we'll be talking about the future as we see it. is the stackable, replaceable life. It is consumer culture in the sense that it is the culture of the consumed. Living in a can, van, bus, car, trailer, prison, boat, spacecraft implies some level of alienation from the environment. To resist the environment, we harden our shells. But the new danger the shells themselves. A clam that gets trapped shut dies, I think. The shells of crab and crawfish still have their openings. Mouth, asshole, whatever those things fuck with. The shells we built close tight and don't always open. We see the trouble coming. We take cover in our can. Or else maybe we get snatched up and shoved into a can not of our own choosing. And then the hands of trouble begin to shift us around, categorizing and sorting according to shape and weight. Trailers there, vans there, RVs there, and so on. No, buddy, after you. The prison sits off to one side, and they'll stick you in it if you try to escape. Big hands crunching the sides of the trailer, and they stack you in the correct area. And then they stack someone on top of you, and on every side, and now you're stacked, alone in your little camp, among many. Somebody in here has an axe, a sawzall, something. We start tunneling. One room leads to another, 
and becomes an endless rat maze of personal spaces, a labyrinth of tense interactions, of bedrooms and crowded kitchens, and overheard conversations. Rats! When forced to live in crowded conditions, fight more and kill each other less often! They also seem to invent their own language to deal with the constant harassment, different and more complex than rural rat speak. People too. The people who tunnel through cans to find each other. The people who praise the stacking hand. The people who consume the can product. The cans that roll away. The can in the back of your cupboard sits there for years. Did it come from some food pantry? Possibly the same one you'll take it to when you are finally evicted? Canned green beans sliced long ways or tiny hot dogs in broth. The label isn't what you'd expect. There's something pasty and poisonous about the images that label these objects. In case of emergencies, I think to myself, in case of some extremely fucked up day, but the day comes and goes, and there was always a better option. Hungry? Yeah. Starving? No. No. The cans at the back of the car. The cans at the back of the cupboard will survive forever. <laughs> the cans. At the, the cans at the back of the cupboard will survive forever. The cans at the back of the cupboard will survive forever. That's what they think. That's the strategy to maintain just enough repulsiveness that you remain unused without being useless. To be so commonplace that no one wants to eat you, but it would feel like a waste to put you in the trash can. Have you ever wondered if aliens exist? Have you ever wondered why, if they exist, haven't they contacted us? Because the cans at the back of the cupboard live forever. Where, might you ask, is the back of the cabinet? You might be tempted to pickle yourself and gaze upon an endlessly disassociated universe as all things evict each other forever, further into the nothingness. Maybe. You might want that. It's not my bag. And you're not my type. So who am I to say, you know, what you should look for in this life? And we have good reason to be paranoid. Cans don't always provide a view. And some, where, out, there, above the stack, those giant hands are still working. Sometimes they stack us higher, sometimes they crack us open, sometimes they eat us. The socio-political implications of space travel, the cultural implications, are science fiction. They aren't worth thinking about, supposedly, because we have no control of the future. Because we couldn't possibly know anything about what will happen. Because that, well, well, that's all bullshit, of course. We know pretty much exactly what it's going to be, and the specifics are the main point of blurriness. We know we'll be canned. We know it's going to suck. We know that the Bezos Musk Thiel Parade is on the same team as the Kim Jong Xi Putin party, and they want to fuck the world in the ass till long after we're dead. And we know that we don't want that. See? We already know the future. The devil's in the details, but we're right on course.
t-shirt car up on blocks in his mother's backyard 